Right then, well, I shall be 40 minutes or so. See you later. Fear not. If you're thinking, oh my God, I can't listen to this for 40 minutes, bloody hell. Fear not. I spend about 40 minutes recording, but obviously I then edit down all of the best bits. That's how I maintain the quality. You know, it doesn't just come. There's a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor, which one day I am keeping because I know it will be a collectible item. Like with the Beatles, I'll probably end up remastering some of the dollops. I do have uh, the original recordings, the multi-track recordings, like that, sat that. Because you actually, I probably shouldn't say this, don't want to ruin the magic, but all of the sounds that you're hearing, so those leaves there and the cars, all the sounds that you're hearing have actually been dubbed in later. I'm not even walking really, even the sound of my footsteps here. It's all been dubbed in later and I'm just sitting, oh, even me there smacking into a bit of cardboard that someone's left out. I just pretended. I'm, not even, I'm just sitting at home in my studio right now, just sort of editing all this in and just, you know, it's all meticulously scripted, everything. You think that I come up with this stuff myself, there's a team of scriptwriters, and um, for some reason they've thought, wouldn't it be a good idea to have David walking into a bit of overhanging cardboard that one of his neighbours has left out for some reason, just sort of perched on top of a wall. It's a bit random. Anyway, so all of the sound effects, which you probably think are real, have all been edited in later. So there'll be remastered versions where I'll be able to insert more high resolution audio, like those leaves at the moment. You're just getting those in stereo, compressed there into MP3. But in the future, in the remastered versions, you know, this will be crystal clear leaves. We'll be able to have it in proper DVD quality. All right. Those people there, they're not real people, they're just actors. Didn't get much of a part, I accept. And they were hoping for big things, actually. Um, they said to me, do you know, just give us a, f we'll, we'll do it for free. We won't even, we don't even need any money. Because the, the, the proper actors get money and stuff. You don't realize this, but uh, I had a very wealthy uncle who donated a lot of money to me and said, will you, he said, I want you to use this money. It says in his will to maintain a daily blog for a year. Just use us all the money, use it all up. Use all of the money I've given you to create a quality daily blog. His original idea was for me to just do an audio one every single day. But I felt as if, if I did some written ones as well, then I could do the occasional audio ones. Maybe 40% of the blogs could be audio. And that would mean that I would be able to spend lavishly on the best actors, which I've done. I mean, that man yesterday was an absolutely excellent character. I actually know what's going to happen in advance of it happening, obviously, because, you know, I have to properly consult the script so I can deliver it properly. I need to properly horn it so it sounds as if I'm just coming out with this stuff ad hoc. See, there, I left a pause. I'll let you into a little secret. I left a pause there before I said ad hoc to make it seem like I was thinking of a word. Well, obviously, the word was just written on the script, but I left a pause. That's, that's proper acting. I mean, I had to leave a pause. In fairness, I had to leave a pause because on the script, it tells me to say this bit about leaving a pause. So it'd be a bit stupid, wouldn't it, if I hadn't left a pause and I said, you see, I left a pause there. So things like that. Imagine how embarrassing it would be if I hadn't read the script in advance and then I said the word ad hoc without leaving a pause and then the next bit, says, you see, I left a pause there, that's great acting. That wouldn't be very good, would it? That'd be ridiculous, because we'd be like, well, you didn't leave a pause there. Then we'd have to go back and edit that bit out. I'd have to do it again. Time is money. You know, I mean, I've been given quite a big budget for my dead uncle, but I don't want to fritter it away 
on pointless edits when I can just get it right in the first take. So I consult the scripts last thing at night. I always, that's what I do. I always consult the scripts last thing at night because then I feel as if I absorb it into my sleep. Like I think in my sleep, my brain goes, okay, you want to deliver that line like that, David? Have you thought about delivering it like that? And automatically I know how to deliver it. When I wake up, the li- I've already been given an insight into the and how to deliver the lines. Then I read it again in the morning, a proper rehearsal, full dress rehearsal, always do a dress rehearsal. The dress rehearsal with the uh, the water feature man, I actually think personally went better in the dress rehearsal than it did in the actual recording, which is a bit of a shame really. I don't know, there was, I think his character was a bit more well-rounded. I think what happened was he'd been up watching the Olympics last night, I was talking to him in the green room, and he'd been up watching the Olympics quite late, and uh, I don't think he'd got enough sleep, so he was, he was uh, quite wired at the start, he was on his cups of coffee and stuff but I think then he, he kind of got a bit of a slump and when it came time to record the dollop he, he wasn't it was good it was, it was all right but uh, oh it was an exceptional performance I think the trick is is not to ham it up too much because the idea is that these dollops have got to appear natural we don't want any hamming up of the parts it's kind of like the archers or something like that where they've kind of got to act just fairly mundane scenes yeah you know they're kind of like oh shall i put the kettle on oh yes let's just and they're just having general conversation and so you, you don't want this kind of grand soap opera eastenders kind of what are you doing get off my boyfriend what are you doing there you can't have that and there are some people when we were auditioning for parts of the water feature man there were some people who really hammed that part up would you like to see my water feature that really going for it enunciating different words you know trying to put in their own little jokes and stuff we said no no just play because people know it's fake just play this normally the script writers are absolutely brilliant and we really they've worked on some of the best channel 5 television programs late night channel 5 dramas it's a pleasure to have them working on the dollop so uh there's some characters behind us now. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but you might be wondering whether these characters who are behind me, can you hear them talking now? There they are, just behind me. Are they just incidental characters? Is that just background noise? They have been paid. They are proper actors. They're not even appearing. They're not even saying anything of interest or anything, really. They're just there in the background. They're really good as well. I was chatting to them in the green room. The two actors who are behind me now, they have been in some porn films. They've done some rather lurid stuff. Uh, They showed me one of the videos and uh, it put me off my my mid-morning snack during the dress rehearsal. Obviously, they're getting older now, so they can't do the the porn. It's quite a ruthless industry. So they've ended up uh, getting a part on the the dollop. Although the scriptwriters have told them that we don't want any of their parts on the dollop in that sense of the word um but we might release a video dollop at some point and you might see them doing their thing it all depends on how the script pans out so it's a bit of a departure from them really from doing lurid pornography to now just being an incidental part pretending to be a couple of walkers walking behind me but the thing is they're not hamming it up if you listen they're not hamming their parts up so i mean that was actually one of the uh, one of the porn films that they were in actually they're hamming their parts up it was quite odd it was an erotic drama set inside a butcher's uh, i won't go into detail about what hamming their parts up involved but uh, i'll leave that to your imagination insert nose blow it said on the script there so i did i think our walker friends now have disappeared they've served their purpose actually i'll let you into a little secret 
That's not a dog. That's the man who was playing the walker just a few seconds ago, now doing the part of a dog, which again is something he did on the porn film as well. But uh, let's not get into that. Oh, there's a horse coming. That's what I love about the scriptwriters. They just put in incidental detail like that. Stuff that you're not expecting. To be honest, I've got to say, I'm just going to go off the script. I very rarely do this, but I'm just going to go off the script here. I just want to say how egotistical the scriptwriters are. No, I'm getting, I'm getting looks. I'm getting looks. No, but I will say this. I've spent the last five minutes just going on about how brilliant you are. You know, and I think it's a bit rich, bearing in mind that you've written the script to then force me to tell everybody how brilliant you are at writing scripts. So I'm going to skip at the next few pages. No, 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 I am. It's my dollop, essentially. I know you, you're very talented, but I think you've let, you've let it go to your head today. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm certainly not putting that bit about you being well endowed in. I think that's by the by. Yes, let's skip to the cows. That's a good idea. I'm just talking to my producer there, who's just moved the sound effects tape on so that we're all synchronised. Yeah, let, let's take it from the cows and the sheep, yeah. Brilliant. I think I'm aligned now. I think I know where I am in the script. Oh, hang on. Listen. Just going past the water feature there will help pick up the pace a little bit. Oh, there's another horse. Oh, hello. Hello. How are you doing? Excellent. How can I help you? Sorry, I can obviously see that you've visible. But you've just seen a horse, so how did Oh, how did I know it was a horse? You can hear it. It's you doing it. Sheep as well, then? Well, I can hear the sheep, I can hear the cows, and I could hear the horse. Uh, how, how? Did you hear the feet walking? Yeah, just the sound of the feet. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was doing its uh, clip clopping uh, lark that these I'm things do. No, 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 it's fine. Because I'm talking tree. <laughs> so here we go again. <laughs> I am once again back at home, and just like yesterday, I've got talking to someone again. Someone called me over, must have heard me mentioning the horse on the road, and was really intrigued to hear how I knew it was a horse. Bearing in mind I couldn't see that it was a horse. If I played the entirety of this conversation that I had, it goes on for about 40 minutes. I can't do this walk anymore. Every time I try and do this walk just to do half an hour, 40 minutes of recording for the dollop, I end up with 40 minutes of the time taken up having a chat with someone. And we talked about all sorts of things. So I spoke to uh, someone yesterday. I went on a little walk. Yeah. And I spoke to someone yesterday, the man with the, uh, the water feature. Next door, yeah. So he's next door to you. Uh, yes, I spoke to him yesterday. I'm getting to know everybody on this stretch. You know. No, it's because everybody watches everybody. <laughs> you know what it is, it's because normally when you see people walking about, people yeah. think, hmm, what are they up to? You know what I mean? Or, yeah, yeah, no. Well. Obviously, when you came down, I could see you visually. Yeah, yeah. Well, this could be a ruse, though. This could be, you know, I could be a, a person casing the joint. I don't think You know, and that. this cane could just be a, a ruse. It could. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of a decoy to make people think there's nothing to fear. What do you do for a living then, young man? What do I do? At this I'm point, a, her I'm partner comes out and starts yeah. joining in the conversation as well. I've edited loads of this out. I've edited out the fact that she asked me which university I went to. Um, she's asked me about how long I've been blind. All sorts of questions have already happened. I've just edited about 15 minutes of this out into the space of a minute. He starts asking me questions, much, uh, doing gigs and stuff. Area, uh, no, from Teesside originally. Um, Teesside? Yeah. Is already interrogated yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interrogated, yeah. 
He then starts telling me that his mother was a musician. He tells me he's got a piano, accordion, he's got loads of instruments. And then come back. So I play the accordion and the piano. My favourite bit, though, was when I mentioned the water feature. The water feature man lives next door to these people. I then mentioned the water feature man to the woman's partner, and this was the response. Uh, I was talking to the, uh, your neighbour with a water feature uh, yesterday. Yeah. He came out, so I was having a chat with him. Yeah, yeah, because he heard the water uh, and he didn't want to so no. Uh, we don't really bother me, like, it's a battlefield. Oh, right. <laughs> All right, well, you're going to do this, turn it right, so far, I've got the whole thing. Maybe I could be the mediator between that. Yeah, I'll never mediate, so when you either, either get on with people, yeah. or you fall out of them, and then that's it, and I've drawn line. Yeah. I've drawn line up through, and that's the end of that. No, okay. It is, it is. So how, it? how, how long are you, are you going <laughs> He wasn't having it, was he? Even when I was joking, because he was getting a bit awkward. No, no, we don't like him. We don't like him. He's a bit... I've drawn a line under him, and I like the fact that the woman was trying to... Oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. And, like, trying to... So there you go, we got a bit of drama there. Yesterday we met the water feature man. Today we meet the man next door, and we discover he doesn't like him. There's a bit of a feud going on. My goodness, these dollops are really hotting up, my friends. Absolute brilliant script writing. Oh, there they go again. I'm, not, I'm sick of having to say how brilliant the script writing is. Yes, it is, it is good script writing, but you don't have to keep pointing out how good your script writing is. I think it works better when, you, when they keep it a secret that the whole thing is written and acted, but they, for some reason today, have decided they're on a bit of an ego trip and they've decided to uh, let the cow out the bag. Now, this is a weird story. This is my favourite story. It just sounded like a weird wives' tale that he just picked up. He started asking me whether there might be a cure for my blindness, and I was chatting to him about that. And then he suddenly starts telling me about this artist who was blind and then ate loads of oranges and got his eyesight back. There were artists what went blind. Yeah. And he did eat oranges, and he, got, he retrieved his eyesight. <laughs> came back. <laughs> oranges? Yeah, oranges. Yeah, oranges yeah, are, vitamin C. Next time we see you. Right. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, one, I know what I do. One of, one of the famous artists, <laughs> no, you look into it in history, one of the yeah. Goyer or who it is, one of the main names. Yeah. His eyesight, he started eating oranges and his eyesight came back. Right. Maybe we should do that on the dollop. Maybe I should sit with a fruit bowl full of oranges and just munch my way through them and let's do a, a progress report and see if my sight returns. At one point in the conversation he said, oh yeah, I'll have to bring me piano accordion out next time you're there and uh, you're going to have a bit of a play on it. Goodness knows what's going to happen if I go out on that walk tomorrow. I mean, I'll probably pass the house and there'll be the man with the water feature there and he'll be going, hello David, I, I've got a new uh, water feature if you'd like to uh, come and have a look. And then the other man will be stood there going, no, you don't, you don't go anywhere near him. Come with me, come with me, David. I've got a, a piano accordion for you to play. And the, and the water feature man's going, no, but I've got a, it's a very special water feature. If you'd just like to come into my guard, he's playing on my piano accordion, leave him alone. But I think he'd rather feel my feature than uh, play your old, dilapidated accordion. You're calling my accordion old? Your, your water feature is, is bloody ugly. You're calling my water feature ugly. Yes, I bloody well am. Well, you're, you're a accordion. And I'm torn between the two, not knowing what to do. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? There's only one way to find out. Well, I mean, you could read the spoilers, but join me tomorrow, friends, for Dollop 228. On Saturday's dollop, during the walk, was the sound of a dog. It sounded like a tune, a sort of piece of classical music, and I couldn't place what the piece of music was. Here's a little clip of me talking about that from Dollop 226. Oh. 
it sounds like it's doing what's the piece of music that goes Okay, so Phil has commented saying that he thinks he has solved the mystery of what the tune was and he's provided a YouTube link. And when you click on the YouTube link, this is what plays. So that is the Dog Tanyon television theme tune. And I agree, it does sound similar to what I was doing, but not exactly the same, really. I was singing this. That's the tune that I'm looking for. What is it? So last night we went out for an Indian meal. Elsa's mother, her English is reasonable, but she gets words confused quite a lot. We went past some roosters on this farm who we were just driving past, and Elsa's mother has a collection of roosters apparently at home. And so Elsa's mother, when she saw the roosters, just announced, Oh, I love cock. And then proceeded to tell us that she had a massive cock collection. She had cocks on the wall, photos of cocks, ornamental cocks. She went into great detail about it. And Elsa was in a kind of an awkward position. And she didn't know how to explain this to her mother. And Ben and I were trying not to laugh, but the ridiculousness of the situation meant that it was very difficult not to. Because it became a bit awkward, like how much Elsa should try and explain to her mother what she'd just said. Elsa just sort of changed the subject. I think she felt it was easier to do that than have an awkward conversation with her mother. We just have to hope that she doesn't suddenly announce this on the bus or something like that. And the other thing she did is we were in an Indian restaurant and she got the hiccups. And she just got the hiccups just as the waiter came over. But she got the word wrong for hiccups and for some reason thought that it was peacocks. And when the waiter came over, she said to the waiter, I have the peacocks. I need to get rid of the peacocks. And as you'd imagine, the waiter was rather confused. And we were going to correct her, but then he sort of moved on to the order, probably hoping to get away as quickly as possible. Maybe he thought it was some kind of code word or something like that. I have the peacocks. I need to get rid of the peacocks. I mean, you could, we could have got ourselves embroiled in a drama there. The boss of the restaurant said to the waiter, right, over the course of the night, they're going to give you a sign. They're going to give you a sign that they have the drugs. And then you got to come to me and let me know hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of drugs. And this person has got them and we need to get them. But we need to do it discreetly. So they'll probably use a code word. So listen out for any code words. And then Elsa's mother accidentally gets the word hiccups confused with peacocks. Tells the waiter, I have the peacocks. I need to get rid of the peacocks. He thinks, ah, peacocks. Peacocks is the code word. All right. So he goes back to his boss. He says, I found the woman with the drugs. Excellent. She called them peacocks. Ah, that sounds about right. Yes. Use a code word. I thought they would do that. Peacocks. Very good. The last person we were dealing with chose the code word chicken vindaloo. I mean, for God's sake, how stupid can you get? We brought them the chicken vindaloo. How are we meant to know they meant drugs? We're dealing with someone who knows how to employ a code word successfully. Peacocks. Very good. Okay. 
She said she had the peacocks and she needed to get rid of the peacocks. Well, of course, she needed to get rid of the peacocks. She's sitting on a hundred thousand dollars worth of class A illegal drugs. Oh, she'll be nervous. She, of course, she wants to get rid of those peacocks. Okay, well, now, the question is, how do we know when it's time to get them? That's what we need to find out. Go over there and ask her how she intends to get rid of the peacocks. Okay, boss, I will. Oh, don't just go over there. Go over with a disguise. Take this naan bread. Uh, excuse me, madam. Yes? I'm just wondering, how do you intend to get rid of the peacocks? I will drink a glass of water from the wrong side of the glass. Okay, okay. Good idea. Okay, what does she say? She's going to drink a glass of water from the wrong side of the glass. And that's how we'll know. Okay, that's an interesting one. I've not heard of that before. Keep your eyes on that table. Get ready with the money. David's Daily Digital Dollop Dollop 229. I'm going for another walk because I'm preparing things at the moment for the young'uns in the mix and I don't really want to sit down and have to write a dollop so I am relying on my natural talent to carry me through and hopefully I won't have to do much in the way of editing either. It'd be great if I could just talk for five minutes, no need for editing, everything's perfect and then it's done. And that would be quite good actually because then it would mean that I wouldn't get to the stage of the walk where the water feature man and his warring neighbour is because I really can't afford to spend time having a conversation with them today. Or oh, God forbid the person maybe next door to that who hates the water feature man and the man next door to him, I mean. Anyway, before I leave the house, I should probably quickly sing this tune. We're trying to identify a tune and it just came to me because it was the sound that a dog was making on the walking dollop on Saturday and it reminded me of a piece of music Music. And I apologise, by the way, to Carl, who's commented on the dollop to say that he doesn't know what the tune is, but he can't get it out of his head now. And he keeps on singing it around the house and annoying his family, just going... This is the tune I'm trying to identify. I've got the piano here, and it's probably just as easy to play it. It might help. I'm sure you can get it from that, everybody. Okay. <laughs> the other reason why I don't want to walk for too long and get to the water feature man and his next door neighbor, I made the mistake of revealing my identity to the next door neighbor of the water feature man. Because he asked me about what I did for a living. And I told him I was in a folk group and I told him the name of the folk group. He might have found the young'uns, therefore found me. Then you might have thought, oh, he's done a blog today. And then all of a sudden, heard the sound of his own voice. He might be absolutely livid right now. He might be waiting for me. Maybe the water feature man is angry as well. And his next door neighbor and him have come together to fight a common enemy. And I am that common enemy. He's like, I didn't realise I was being recorded and I'm not happy about it. Well, neither did I. Well, let's forget our differences and let's fight this man together. So goodness knows what might be waiting for me. So hopefully I can say everything I need to say before we get to that point. Although part of me thinks of the drama of the dollop, maybe I should head into the eye of the storm. I mean, chances are, though, that they know, if they know I'm recording and they did something to me, they'd then delete the evidence, wouldn't they? I should have prepared a backup. 
a radio or something beaming this back to my house and then I could have recorded it on the computer and that would have secured the recording. It doesn't matter what had happened to me. Oh, oh God, there's a car coming. Maybe this is them hiding the bushes. the dogs out looking for me there's a Russell in the bushes but don't worry about him he's one of my allies thanks a lot Russell keep an eye out hoot like an owl if you see them okay just having a chat with Russell there one of my allies I do have a strategy for dealing with my potential attackers and it's a similar strategy to the one that I've had when it comes to muggers. My strategy actually has been corroborated by various stories. I'm reading a book at the moment by the uh, journalist Malcolm Gladwell called David and Goliath. And it's all about how the weak and the disadvantaged prevail against the strong and the advantaged. One of the reasons it happens is because of unconventional approaches to dealing with things. There are so many times in warfare, for instance, where the underdog, an army with a fraction of the amount of soldiers in the other army, end up winning. And they do so because they use unconventional tactics, the element of surprise. And in the majority of cases, when the element of surprise is used, accepted conventional ways of doing warfare suddenly go out of the window. And the bigger army, because they've got this strategy, because they've been given instructions, they're more unwieldy because they don't know what to do. They're more unwieldy. There isn't a strategy. There isn't time to regroup. They've been taken by surprise. And often the smaller army, the underdog, will win. When I was a teenager and people used to say, oh, you've got to be careful going out. You know, you might get mugged or something. If you go out by yourself late at night, especially not being able to see. And I've always thought, no, 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 because I've got a plan. My plan is that if I met a mugger, what would they be expecting me to do? Chances are I'm blind. I am blind, but I mean, chances are I'm blind. Unless, of course, I've eaten enough oranges to allow me to be able to see. But chances are they'll think, oh, he's blind. He's an easy target he's going to be vulnerable. So what are they expecting? They're expecting me to just hand over the money or maybe try and feebly run away, but they'll easily catch me, won't they? They won't be expecting attack and they certainly won't be expecting this, which is what my plan has been for years. And it's never, I've never had to use it yet, but this is my plan. And I maybe shouldn't reveal this plan on the dollop, just in case, but I doubt that there are going to be muggers about who are listening to the dollop oh, always before we mug and a lot of people think it's spontaneous the mugging but it's always what we like to do is we like to uh, find out a little bit more about the person that we're mugging first do they have a website for instance so we always like to read up on our muggers get to know their psyche get to know what's going on in their minds but my plan is i would go crazy essentially i would just make weird noises scream weird noises in their faces flap my arms around like I would go and just make the strangest sort of sounds imaginable. And I think they would be so stunned, they would run. That's my plan. And that has actually been corroborated 
by a story which the band Chumbawamba sing about of a man who was leaving a pub and as he was walking down the street he was accosted by some muggers and in his head I don't know why but he decided rather than hand over the money or rather than run away he would recite some Dadaist poetry now essentially Dadaist poetry is gibberish I mean this may this may rankle some people I don't know it's certainly not gibberish the idea of Dada's poetry is essentially that it doesn't rely on standard language. I'm no expert in the field. Well, I am in a field, but I'm no expert when it comes to Dada's poetry. Essentially, it's just take random sounds and put them together. And the idea is that it's meant to be unfettered by the restrictions of language, unfettered by artistic ideas, free of the confines of standard thinking and perceived ideas on what's right. And so you essentially just talk gibberish. Feel free if someone wants to correct me on that. But I think that's essentially the crux of it. And this particular poem that he recited was essentially gibberish. And he stood there, stood his ground, and confronted the muggers by shouting this Dardoist poem in their faces. Which essentially was just considered of like, rah, ooh, ah, ooh. I think that's the weird thing about Dardoist poetry. I wouldn't think it'd be something that you would necessarily learn. And I'm quite surprised by this, where he said, when he said after the fact, oh yeah, I just recited some Dada's poetry. He's like, well, you mean you just spoke gibberish? I mean, who would know that he got it wrong? He's singing, ra boo ha sha hoo And he's got, I think you'll find it's ra ba ha sha he I think you'll find, my friend, I'm afraid you will have to leave this Dadaist poetry club. You presumably have not done your research properly. You probably haven't even sat the entry exam, have you? Oh, I didn't realise it was an entry exam. Oh, yes, there's an entry exam. We take this very seriously. When you get your oohs and your e's mixed up, then I'm afraid you'll make a laughing stock out of us all. Goodbye. So he shouted this poem in their faces. And bearing in mind there was more than one of them, so he was very much the underdog here. They had a knife, and he had his Dadaist poetry. And he just... And made some weird noises really loudly. And they just fled in absolute shock. Had no idea what to do. And they fled. And so it was very good to have my, my strategy confirmed. It seems as if it can work. Because people I've talked to go, oh, no, that'll never work. But it seems as if it does. I might end today's dollop with that song. I don't think Chumbawamba would have a problem with it. Neil from Chumbawamba does our sound at gigs. I also, I think I should play this because I feel a bit guilty that I've put into Carl's head and irritated his family. So maybe he can have this song going, oh, actually, this isn't going to help. This song goes, oh, and makes weird noises at one point. So it's going to be even worse if you get that stuck in your head. But anyway, Carl, here's something to get the other tune out of your head. But if anyone knows what that is, let me know. We'll leave you with Chumbawamba and Ratatouille, and I shall be with you tomorrow, hopefully, if you'll allow me to be for dollop 230. George not wanting to feel the knife Cornered and speeding and scared From the back of his mind comes a sonata Sound and fury and words he sings Ratatate Watching George as he sings for his life 
Many turns to panic and they turn and they run And the song waves goodbye to the night Singing Rat-ta-ta-tay We found it, thanks to Gillian. It is the theme tune to an old BBC Radio children's programme called Puffin Billy. I certainly haven't heard of it before. It's probably from like the 50s or something. I think the theme tune's been used in all sorts of documentaries and other bits and pieces. Gillian has identified it. Thank you very much, Gillian. I am going to induct you, Gillian, into the David's Daily Digital Dollop Hall of Fame. Don't worry, you, you are allowed to leave. I will give you your own set of keys. You can come and go as you please. And uh, from time to time, Jules pops in there, Chloe's in there. Just watch it if you want to use the facilities. Chloe can, you know, what she's like. Just make sure you lock the door. Mavis Crumble's in there with a fart game. All the David's Daily Digital Dollop celebrities are in the David's Daily Digital Dollop Hall of Fame, so you'll, you'll have a whale of a time. The triumph of the underdog was what we were discussing yesterday, and we're going to continue that line of thinking with another story that I told on yesterday's walk, but the dollop was getting over ten minutes, so I decided to cut it out and put it in today's dollop. There was someone I used to work with who was blind, who told me the following story. He was chatting to some mates on the street when he was younger, you know, so he was hanging out, maybe drinking a, a can of something on the street. All the other people in his group could see and there was a car suddenly pulled up and some lads got out and started shouting things at him and his friends and the person i was working with who told me this story said well i wasn't having any of this so i, I squared up to them and they stood around me and i thought well there's more of us so you know there was like eight of us and there's three of them so i thought oh well this will be no problem and they stood around my friend and they said something threatening and he said to them look let's not do anything silly get back in your car and turn around and sure enough, they got back in the car and they turned around and they went away. Now, you might be thinking, but hang on a minute, you said this was a story of the underdog prevailing, but he was not the underdog. He had his friends around him and there was more of them. But it was only when he turned around that he realised that actually his friends had all gone. They were cowering behind a wall. And he was like, what the bloody hell are you doing? There's, there's more of us than there are. What are you cowering behind a wall for? They said, what the bloody hell did you think you were doing? I can't believe you squared up to them. He said, well, of course I squared up. He said, they all had baseball bats. And he had absolutely no idea. He kind of went a bit weak. He said he had this kind of thing of, he knew that this would impress people. This would get around the school. Word would get around. So he didn't want to say, oh, I didn't realise. He was like, well, come on. Were they really going to use them? And he did a bit of bravado. But essentially, he told me that he couldn't believe it. He was like, my God, I could have been hit in the head by three lads with baseball bats. But because my friend didn't realise this, because he couldn't see, he just squared up to them, looked them straight in the eyes and just said, let's not do anything silly. Get back in your car, turn around and go home. And you wouldn't say that to three people who had baseball bats unless you had a better weapon, maybe a gun or something like that. They must have assumed that he had a gun. And so they just, they fled, fled in absolute panic. This is the sound of the stairs leading up to where we are staying today and for this weekend we have arrived at the Fork East Festival in Suffolk 
and I am hoping that I have remembered everything. I made a list. I checked it twice. I did, um, if it's good enough for Father Christmas, it's good enough for me. He's got a lot to remember, Father Christmas. Not only does he have to remember all the children who he's going to deliver the presents to, but he's also going to remember which ones are naughty and which ones are nice. I don't know when the cut-off period for Father Christmas is. Like, you know, if... And how it works. I don't know how he... How he sort of works this, this out and that Father Christmas sort of goes, you know, that person's being good. But what if they did something really bad like on December the 15th? Is it too late then? Does that person still get away with it? I mean, I imagine someone someone knew when the cut-off period was. It's like, well, I'm going to do a dastardly deed, but I'm going to wait until December the 15th. That's Father Christmas's cut-off point. I mean, yes, you are potentially squandering your opportunity to get presents next year, but then you might be thinking, you might be holding out hope for the fact that by that point, Father Christmas will have forgotten. It's kind of like 15th of December. He's so busy with Christmas. You've done your bad deed. By the time January comes again, you're good. You're being good again. Um, Father Christmas is like, oh, you know, he checks in on you. He's like, oh, yeah, he's he's good. He's good. And I will check it twice. I'll check twice. I'll come back maybe in July, see how he's getting on. But essentially, I'm not sure how, how much Father Christmas keeps his ear to the ground when it comes to people being naughty and nice. What with the increasing population of the planet as well, um, I imagine it's increasingly more difficult. Or does it get easier with the so advent of social media, perhaps? Now you can just look on Facebook and find out what people are doing. Someone's like, oh, that person's being a troll. And Father Christmas does not like trolls. Uh, the trolls don't get on with the elves, uh, you see. Two mythological creatures there don't get on with each other. So when he finds out there's a troll, someone putting bad stuff on Twitter, he just sees the word troll. He goes, oh, that person's a troll. I don't like them. So uh, there you go. I don't know why I'm talking about Christmas. All I was trying to say was... <laughs> All I was trying to say was that I have made a list of the stuff to bring to four keys because i've got a lot to bring with because of the youngins in the mix and i've checked it twice and i was just gonna say if it's good enough for father christmas it's good enough for me it should work as a formula but then i went on a tangent about father christmas i mean that would have been brilliant if it was christmas it would have been topical in a way but it was you know we're in the middle of august Tomorrow is the day that I showcase the youngins in the mix the very first time and possibly the last time depending on how it goes I've had some of the ideas for this mix kicking around in my head for a few years, and although I've never performed it live yet, I have frequently imagined how it might sound, often visualising doing the mix while in the shower or on the toilet. By this, I mean I've often imagined how the mix will work while I am going about my ablutions. I thought I'd clarified that just in case you heard that sentence and then thought that I intended to do a DJ set while in the shower or on the toilet. That's not what I mean. But I guess there's no way of knowing how this venture might develop at a later stage. I find that most of my ideas seem to come when I'm on the toilet. Alright, well that explains why all your ideas are shit then, eh? Sorry, I'm doing that thing again when I hear the thoughts of one of my readers. I think that being in the shower or on the toilet is a good period of time for generating ideas because the mind is allowed to daydream and wander. After all, what else can you do in the shower except wash yourself? Yes, yes, I hear your disgusting thoughts, but I'm not entertaining such base-level humour. Showering and toileting provide an opportunity for downtime for the brain. Sometimes I find myself sitting on the toilet for hours. Often I haven't even had a poo. I'm just sitting there thinking, lost in a daydream. I always sit down to go to the toilet, even for a wee. Sorry if this is making you feel a bit uncomfortable, or if you have the kind of brain that always has to form images of the things that you hear about, and you're now imagining me sitting on the toilet, possibly even having a poo. Whatever you do, I urge you, don't think about me sitting on the toilet having a poo, alright? What are you doing? 
I said, don't think about it. What do you mean you can't help it? I mean, to be honest, I expected this kind of thing from Chloe, but the rest of you... Anyway, for the rest of you who aren't imagining me pooing, I know what you're thinking. Come on, David, you can't tease us with a comment like, I always sit down to go to the toilet, even for a wee, and then leave us hanging like this? Desperate to hear more while you prevaricate on trying to get us to imagine you're having a poo? All right, I take your point. So, enough of the poo prevarications. Let's get to the heart of the matter and find out my reasons for always sitting down to go to the toilet. Urinals, incidentally, are the exception to this rule. Urinals are at a good height for weeing, because I can see what I'm aiming for, whereas toilet bowls are too low down for my line of vision. Therefore, I always sit down at home, or in other people's homes, when using the toilet. So now you know that if I come to your house and I use the toilet, I will inevitably sit down. Perhaps you can use this knowledge to earn yourself some money. I don't want to blow my own trumpet, something which, incidentally, I also find a lot easier to do when sitting down rather than standing up, although I don't want to brag. Calm yourself down, Chloe. But I think that there are some devoted young'uns fans, or even David's Daily Digital Dollop fans, who would pay good money for a toilet seat that I have graced with my naked bottom. You could buy a toilet seat and then attach it just before my visit, making sure that no one else uses it beforehand and then immediately removing it once I've been to the toilet. I could also tell you what I was thinking about while I was on the toilet, which you could include in your eBay description to give it even more value and boost the price further. This is the toilet seat in which the young'uns David Eagle sat on while coming up with the idea to mix the unthanks with death metal. Maybe this is something that I should be doing for charity. Let me know if you work for a charity and you're interested. Obviously, I'll have to have proof of your charitable credentials. I don't want to just satiating the appetites of a pervert when my bottom could be put to more philanthropic purposes. I think the fact that I sit on the toilet every time that I use it means that I am prone to falling into daydreams. And I'll often find myself sitting there after half an hour unsure of whether I've actually had a wee or not. Sometimes I'll get off the toilet after a good half an hour on there, flush it and wash my hands, and then realise that I probably didn't actually have a wee after all, and I actually still need to go. So I sit back down on the toilet, only to start daydreaming again, and the cycle repeats itself, until I become too sleepy or hungry. I've lost whole days to the toilet. It's not as bad now that I'm living with other people, but when I was living alone, it could get pretty bad. But it's not wasted time, because it's on the toilet where I have all my amazing ideas. In the future, when I am posthumously recognised as a creative genius, people will be writing self-help books on creativity and success, inspired by my method, with inspirational titles such as Sit on your throne and become a creativity king. Don't quit, take a shit. Working your way up from the bottom. Bums on seats for a creativity masterclass. Living your life backside first. Get your ass in gear and become a creative genius. Sadly, I don't have time to go to the toilet and think up some better ones because I've got to be out in half an hour. But rest assured that half an hour on the toilet would yield at least another 10 amazing Lou-based success slogans.